Bandwidth for Priority One Podcast is brought to you by Playa Escondida. Ever dreamed of visiting Planet Risa? Well, Playa Escondida is the ultimate beach resort excursion. Visit PlayaEscondida.com to book your ultimate vacation getaway. Command codes verified. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Captains, you're listening to episode 147 of Priority One Podcast, the premier Star Trek online podcast, recorded Thursday, October 24th, 2013, live on trekradio.net and available for download or streaming Monday morning at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Tony. And I'm Elijah. What do we got this week, Elijah? Well, this week we trek out the latest attempt to bring Trek tech into the real world. This week in Star Trek Online News, we'll be reviewing plenty of Season 8 dev blogs with numbers 7 through 11. And, of course, this week's patch notes. In this episode's Community Spotlight segment, Chivalry Bean reviews A Debt Ode by author and friend of Priority One Podcast, Soradam. As always, we'll open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming from you, our listeners. Captains, Priority One Podcast survives only by your generous real-world donations. Visit Priority One Podcast and help us reach our monthly goals. A very special thanks to everyone who has already contributed and continues to do so on a regular basis. Without your ongoing support, that little thermometer needle wouldn't go anywhere and we would not be able to bring you the content you've come to enjoy from Priority One Podcast. Captains, don't forget that PriorityOnePodcast.com offers more than just podcasts. In our latest guest blog, Thomas Townley talks about his experiences building a dilithium holding all by himself. That is depressing. That's so depressing. Building a dilithium holding all by yourself? Aren't you depressed just by hearing about that? I'm not, actually. I think it's an amazing endeavor. Uh, And, Captains, this is an article you do not want to miss. So head on over to PriorityOnePodcast.com to check it out. It's not depressing. I think it's actually a feat. It is a feat. A testament to determination, hard work, and will. You're putting such a nice spin on it. Because everyone else complains about what a grind the fleet starbase system is, but this guy did it alone. So, I mean, how hard can it be, right? Did that one guy just negate all the arguments that the fleet starbase system is really tough? I don't know. You'll have to find out by reading the article. Well, as a matter of fact, if you have opinions about this sort of stuff, you can join the team at PriorityOnePodcast.com as a guest blogger and share your opinions, reviews, and news with our audience. Reach out to us via email at incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Splatter Studios continues to produce some phenomenal Trek-inspired canvases. And we're opening suggestions for Star Trek Online ships that you would love to see interpreted on canvas. Visit PriorityOnePodcast.com for information on how you can get your hands on a -a one-of-a-kind piece of Trek art. Well, let's get ready to Trek It Out. I don't know. Then let's Trek It Out. 
You know how I know this whole bringing Star Trek technology to the real world thing is picking up some real steam? Well, because now the con artists are jumping on the bandwagon. What? Yeah. Federal prosecutors in New York have charged an Illinois man with fraud after he claimed the Canadian government had ordered his McCoy home health tablet and owed him $4 million. He was trying to get a Florida-based investor to pony up $2.5 million to bring the device, explicitly named after Bones himself, to the U.S. market. Now, this was after that company had already given him $800,000. Just two minor details. First, Deputy Health Minister Glenda Yates, who supposedly signed the contract, had never heard of this guy or his company. And second, the device technically doesn't actually really, in fact, exist as far as anyone can tell. So let this be a lesson to all of you legitimate inventors and scam artists alike. If you claim that you totally have a Canadian deputy health minister contract counterparty, it's not going to turn out any better than that time you claimed you had a Canadian girlfriend. So let me get this straight. So this guy had said he designed a McCoy home health tablet and that the Canadian government owed him $4 million because this deputy minister had signed it? Yeah, because, you know, like, oh, my God, the Canadian health government, they've got to have this thing, and they've ordered a bunch of them, and, hey, investor guy, if the Canadians think it's hot, you should too. So I've got this document with the signature of this minister on it, this contract, that describes the device and what it does and her commitment to order however many of these things, for, and she owes me $4 million bucks. I have a legit business with a real order from a legit government uh, contract, so invest in my company and we'll bring this to the United States. That's the pitch. They had already given him eight hundred grand, and he was uh, he was trying to hook them for more. At that point, they get nervous and want some proof. Like, you know, we've already given you eight hundred G's. I mean, you know, we're starting, and you want more. I mean, can we see a picture? Can we see a picture of it or something? Maybe. Yeah, something. Could you bring it to a meeting? Yes, the guy deserves to go to jail, but seriously, somebody needs their head examined if they hand over $800,000 sight unseen. But it, this way, we we know that people uh, legitimately crave Star Trek-type things. Captains, discover something that you think the rest of our listeners would enjoy hearing about? Well, send it over to us via incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Well, let's check out what happened in Star Trek Online News. Computer status report. Status Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. In Season 8, Dev Blog Number 7, Systems Designer Jeff Adjudicator Hawk Hamilton tells us what to expect from the upcoming Voth Space Combat. Now, here are some of the exciting features you can look forward to when taking on the Voth within the Dyson Sphere. The Voth have developed a unique immunity matrix which phases a volume of space around their ships to provide them with total immunity to damage from that direction. Now, more advanced versions of this technology allow the Voth to reflect energy back at its original point, turning the invulnerability into a weapon against unwary foes. They're also equipped with a new type of anti-proton beam that plays more of a defensive role when a critical hit is made, lowering the damage output of their targets. They're also equipped with new torpedoes that warp space-time to increase shield penetration and slow the movement of targets. Alright, let's go ahead and review some of the key specifications from each Voth ship. Tony, take it away. 
Okie dokie. Well, we've got the frigates uh, boasting their dual forward beam banks, uh, rear beam arrays, and that transphasic chronoton torpedo on the front. So it looks like their torpedoes are just going to combine the two procs uh, from the transphasics and the chronotons. We've got the cruiser, which uh, contains a heavy armor rating. Uh, it boasts the lower level immunity matrix function that Elijah just talked about and some aceton drones that explode in a large burst of radiation. I think these are similar to the aceton assimilators uh, that we find when we deal with the Gorn on a regular basis. And we've got the uh, Bulwar-class battleship. This is the one where the immunity matrix gets a, a little boost when it reflects the damage back. It deals full damage back to the source ship when that power is active, so stop shooting if you see it. Uh, also, it has improved aceton drones, and these drones absorb the power and then pulse the radiation to all uh, nearby ships. So it looks like there's a direct proportional relationship to how many times you shoot the thing to how bad the radiation burst gets at the very end. And finally, we have the Dreadnought, the Citadel-class Dreadnought. It's got the multi-directional version of the reflective immunity matrix. So instead of just a 90-degree uh, arc, it covers 180 degrees. Also, it has gravity wells, tractor beams, and multiple aceton drones that it will spawn, and wide-angle torpedoes. So, pretty much, it's death on wheels. Uh, one underappreciated change that I've uh, yet to see really addressed, maybe I just haven't been looking hard enough, and by addressed, I really mean complained about, it's a change in the space combat mechanic inside the Voth battle zone, the uh, Dyson Sphere's atmosphere, because you're supposed to be in a Dyson Sphere near the outer skin where the habitat would be, you know, the inside surface of the thing. And there's going to be air, which is, you know, stark contrast to where you're usually fighting in the vacuum of space. So there's going to be, I'm going to assume, I didn't notice it when I tried it out, Spire Fight on Tribble, but some sort of degradation of maneuverability. Now, granted, I may not have noticed it because I usually fly in Odyssey, and those are not exactly known for their, you know, high maneuverability. So I may just, it just may have been swamped by the Odyssey's usual you know, swampiness. Uh, but I am kind of curious what the escort drivers are going to think about this. If all of a sudden, you know, you, you spend all these credits and dilithium and stuff to boost up your turn rate, and all of a sudden you're wallowing like a pig. So fortunately, you can do a fleet project to get atmospheric flight training, which I guess will rebuff your debuff. So what do you think, Elijah? Is this mechanic a challenge or maybe an annoyance? Or is it a slap in the face to everyone who plays the game and all who support it should be doomed to Grethor? I actually like the idea of this mechanic. It makes sense. It makes 100% perfect sense. There's no way that a starship is going to perform any better in an atmosphere. You know, there were several instances when, if you watch a show like Battlestar Galactica, heck, even Voyager, when they had to make landings, they had to adjust for atmospheric conditions. It makes 100% perfect sense to me. Well, Captains, what about you? What do you think of this new atmospheric mechanic? Is it something that's just going to get in the way and break your immersion or enhance your immersion since you're flying in an atmospheric Dyson sphere? Sound off in the comments section for this episode on PriorityOnePodcast.com or on the Star Trek Online forum post for this episode. Season 8, dev blog number 8, is the Selenai Dyson Sphere Adventure Zone. Designer Jesse Heinig gives us more information on the new Dyson Sphere Adventure Zone. According to Jesse, like new Romulus, this zone is a large area where you can explore freely, meet other players, and find missions or tasks out among the far reaches. Unlike new Romulus, this adventure doesn't take place on the surface of a planet. 
it happens inside of a distant Dyson sphere. So this space is divided into three major zones, the Allied Zone, the Contested Zone, and the Voth Zone. Jesse continues, in each zone you'll have missions to complete based on the operations that Dyson Joint Command needs done. This could mean fighting Voth ships, shutting down power systems of the sphere, clearing an area of automated defenses, or performing scientific studies. Finishing tasks in the Adventure Zone will reward you with Dyson Marks and Commendation used with the Joint Command Reputation System. Here's one thing that I've been noticing in this in the Season 8 Death Box. is a bunch of redacted stuff. Yeah, it's posted with the redacted stuff. Okay, so it's a marketing thing. Yeah. I mean, it, it, well, you, I mean, if you follow Brandon on Twitter, every, you know, every once in a while he gets cheeky. Is he just tweeting redacted? I think this started off with uh, Denise Crosby. I just met with redacted, and we recorded some redacted for the upcoming redacted redacted. So, I mean, you know, he's just, <laughs> it's just... You know, it's just kind of, it's just building and building and building, and now that the joke has taken on a life of its own. But I think it is kind of more useful and or serious this time, because a lot of people know what's under the redacted. It's an obelisk carrier. All right, how do we know that it's a obelisk carrier? Because in the stores, in the Dyson Sphere fleet holdings thing, there's obelisk hangar pets for sale. And so there's been screenshots floating around of... Uh, people going up and walking up to the Spire store from your fleet holding and boom there's the obelisk hangar pets so the speculation the conclusion is that it's going to be some sort of obelisk carrier and of course the obelisks are connected to the preservers that we saw in the featured episode uh, with the Breen so that's kind of where the, the the redacted joke has pretty much taken on a life of its own because they didn't redact the fleet store so that's my interpretation of it anyway. It doesn't make it any less funny. But Listen, I'm going to be honest with you. I am really looking forward to this Dyson Sphere. I mean, I was not that excited to play New Romulus. And honestly, I very rarely visit it I, because it's just, I don't know, I just, bleh. But here we have these zones where I can battle giant dinosaurs. And although there are naysayers out there that say it breaks their immersion, I have to agree with Al that if there were bunny rabbits, then it's quite logical to presume that there are dinosaurs somewhere off on there with uh, technology. So I'm looking forward to this. this is, it'll feel like a game. That's what I'm looking forward to most about this whole Dyson Sphere, is that we have been so worried and so focused on, this isn't Trek, this is Trek, what's not Trek, this isn't canon, how can they do this, it's not canon, that we, it's... It's almost like people have forgotten that it's an MMO, regardless. It's a Star Trek MMO, but it's still an MMO. So I'm really looking forward to something that is Star Trek, but is still fun. Something that I can just go in with a group of people and just fire. Fire my phasers at them. It's fun. It's dinosaurs and lasers. I mean, at a certain visceral level, that's all there is to it. You just want to blow some things up, and that's fine. Dan's been on record a few times saying that it's the, the it's the Star Trek fan that's going to keep us alive, and it's the one that's going they're the ones that are going to give us longevity. But it's an MMO that needs new players every week, and a certain segment of the gaming population is going to come for the dinosaurs with the freaking lasers on their heads, and they'll try it out, and maybe like. JJ's movies, they'll go, oh, well, there's other stuff here too, and maybe they'll get into the story of it. In Season 8, Dev Blog number 9, content designer Sean Commander Ender McCann introduces us to the Dyson Sphere Battle Zone, where Federation, Klingon, and Romulan forces battle against the Voth, fighting to take control over something that's been redacted. <laughs> Players must be level 50 to access the battle zone. Up to 20 players can be in the zone at once, and each player can bring two bridge officers. 
Players can team together and still retain their bridge officers. A full team of five captains will each still have those bridge officers. So let's talk a little bit about the rewards. If you can take and hold 18 of 21 Voth control points, you will earn Dilithium as well as Dyson Sphere Marks, which can be used to advance the new Dyson Joint Command Reputation System, which our Vera touched on during our interview with him early last week. What more can we say? We discussed it in depth, and if you didn't catch it, boy, are you missing out. Season 8, devlog number 10, the Fleet System Expansion, Spire Outpost. In devlog number 10, system designer Phil Gorn Gonzola Zaleski. Oh, I laugh every time I read that. Okay. He introduces us to the new fleet holding coming with Season 8. In our interview with Al last week, we talked about all the new ships available to players when completing the main track of the fleet projects. All three versions of the Vet ship in fleet format, as well as the fleet Carfi battle carrier for the KDF, the fleet Cation Aatrox carrier for Starfleet, and the fleet Arkeef tactical carrier Warbird retrofit, there's a mouthful, for the Romulans, as well as the Mark 12 fleet tactical consoles. Those will be available as you complete the various tiers of the main track of the Starbase. There's a FAQ for players. We recommend you visit the STO website for more answers to the fleet holding, and we'll have a link in the show notes. So a lot of captains were concerned that the fleet vet ships were going to be available to everyone. And according to everything I have heard, as well as during our interview with our Vera, it was cleared up that the fleet vet ships are only available to captains that qualify for the original vet ship. So unless you are a lifetime member or have been subscribed to the game for 1,000 days, you will not be able to get the fleet version of the ships. I am really, really looking forward to getting my hands on a fleet chimera. I really am. Yeah, those are going to be pretty dangerous now. The The other ships are going to be available, so if you're not a lifetime subscriber, once your fleet reaches the appropriate tier on the Spire, you can get an Aatrox, or if you're a Romulan, you can get the uh, Arkeef or the Carfi if you're in the KDS. So there's, there's fleet ships available for uh, everybody in there. It's not just the lifers and the gold uh, thousand day subscribers. So, uh, but if you have ponied up the extra dough, you are going to get something unique and special. Uh, let's just be frank. That's good business. Captains, what are you most looking forward to in these new fleet holdings? Is it the vet ship? Is it one of the other four ships available to all captains? What about those tactical consoles? What could those possibly be? Let us know how you feel about the new holdings in the comments section for this episode on PriorityOnePodcast.com or on the Star Trek Online forum post for this episode. Our last Season 8 dev blog is number 11, an RP log entry from Adrana to Kurhav. In this log entry, Adrana is excited about the first Romulan test of the Iconian portal beneath New Romulus. It seems this personal blog is a preamble for next week's featured episode, Sphere of Influence. And the double XP promotion is back. Q is at uh, Earth Space Dock and Konos, up to his usual shenanigans. Pop in to see him every four hours for a double XP boost or a double expertise boost for you level 50 characters. Normally the timing for this is terrible for our listeners, as the event usually comes and goes between when we record and when we post the show on Monday. This announcement specifically says that there is no particular end date planned, but it won't go on forever. So get out there and finish leveling that third Romulan tech or your first KDF, whichever the case may be. All right, Tony, why don't you go ahead and review with us a little bit of the patch notes that came out this week? Okay, first of all, and biggest news, the cruiser auras are now on holodeck. So everybody who's got a cruiser uh, can now go out there and use one of the four area of effect buffs. 
uh, for yourself and your teammates. They are a maneuver, weapon efficiency, defense boost, or threat generation. Now, every cruiser gets all four of these, except if you have a battle cruiser, you're going to miss out on the taunt power. Flight deck cruisers are going to miss out on the taunt and the weapons boost. And the poor beleaguered Galaxy X is going to miss out on the shield boost and the maneuver boost. So, sorry everybody, you're not going to be able to turn and get that phaser lance uh, on target. A full list of each of the ships is in the patch notes, and we'll have a link in our show notes, of course. But before we leave this topic, I want to talk about Tribble. One thing we didn't really get into with Al due to time constraints was the reputation sponsorship. This is the uh, help for the alt-grindiness of the reputation system. Once you get a character to Tier 5 in any of the reputation systems, they'll be able to run a new little project. You can run a begin sponsorship procedures for an upcoming officer project. It'll cost you 100 marks. When that project is done, it completes in about 5 seconds. It'll reward your character with a sponsorship token that you can use in your account bank to transfer to one of your other characters. Pick that up on your other character, turn that sucker in, and every mission you run in that reputation system, be it Omega or Nukara or Romulan, will be double the XP from that point on. If you have three different reputations you want to work on, you'll need to do three different reputation projects, one for each category, then transfer that token to your lower level character. So it'll half the time that you'll spend grinding up the other tunes on your account. So projects previously awarded 2,800 will now give 4,600. So that's your help, guys. Um, sound off uh, in the forums, as I'm sure people will and probably already have. Uh, let us know what you think in our show notes about that as well. Is that the help you were looking for? Is that enough? Do we need more? Uh, are you going to wait to see until we maybe retrofit the old reputations with the new system that's on uh, the Voth reputation? Maybe that'll make some people change their tune as well. We'll have to see going forward. Uh, and finally, the new Fed tutorials out there on Tribble. So once Season 8 goes live, all three factions will have a very, very nice, redone, fancy-looking tutorial for their uh, different factions. That wraps up Star Trek Online news for this week. Let's move into our Community Spotlight segment with the latest Foundry Review by Chivalry Bean. Chivalry Bean here with another Foundry Officer Report. Today I'm talking about Adet Ode by Soridium. Adet Ode is a Federation mission that features rich custom maps, space and ground, some exploration, and shooting Tholians in the face. The mission begins with a message asking you to find out what happened to Sean in Enterprise F. Logs suggest Tholian encounters. Gear up for webs and head to Regulus. You travel to the last known location of the Enterprise, and search the system for clues. Then one of your officers picks up a trail and the best guesses as to where the Enterprise may have gone. You use your map to warp to possible star systems to see what is there. You could go the correct one first, or last, or at any point. I explored each location. All this happens on one space map, with each area custom made. It's very nice and a good use of foundry tools. When you do find the Enterprise, you beam to another custom ground map and investigate what's going on and take steps to rescue Sean and the Enterprise. Before you go, there's more Tholians to shoot on the ground and then in space once more. 
Combat wasn't difficult for me in space and a moderate challenge on the ground. If you want a tougher fight, adjust the difficulty level. For constructive feedback, mainly the mission could use a bit of polish. Some NBCs had default names like Alien Science Officer 01, and there's at least one typo. Also, there were some weird bugs that could be fixed, but nothing that broke the case. It just looked weird. That said, I know from experience that this mission took a lot of work to put together as it is. And the little details don't break anything, but when time allows, a few passes of touching up this and that would make the mission even better. Adet Ode is interesting to play, has some very nice foundry tech use, and an interesting story. Give it a play. Also, if you have a foundry mission you'd like me to play, send me a message in-game or on Twitter at, at ChivalryBean, and I'll give it a play. And if it's fun, I'll file a report on it. I always give direct feedback as well. Captains, be sure to play A Debt Ode by author Sorida. Now, let's open Hailing Frequencies and see what's incoming. Message coming in, sir. Hailing Frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. Well, we want to thank Al, Captain Gecko Rivera, for joining us once again last week. Uh, we only got two parts out of him last time because he had an appointment to go to. He didn't quite live up to his four and a half hour excursion with us but there's always next time al you can make it up to us our first email comes from mizugai 1981 what's up isaiah this is one of the donors for the enterprise d bridge restoration project that made it to vegas this year thanks to him uh, that actually happened we had dinner with him and hung out afterwards tore down the he was hardcore he was there thursday morning man yeah oh yeah he was super hardcore uh, he writes in, been listening to the podcast, and you guys rock. Just wanted to let you know that. Have a great Halloween. <laughs> we hear from Ben Weiss with some alternative suggestions for episode 146's title, which we called Gekasaurus Rex. He says, would that be Tyrannosaurus Gex? Or, or, okay, okay, wait for it, wait for it. Al-osaurus Or given that Captain Gecko is the brainchild or brain father of the STO dinos, guess that would make him dynamite. Or at least dynormous. In all seriousness. Okay, I'm going to give myself a fail for that one. While I certainly do not like the Voth dino dino laser idea at all, I love that Al is passionate and caring enough to share so much information with the community. I always love his interviews because he shares just so much. Thanks for the interview, guys. Feedback continues on for episode 146 with Tawani writing in, The new Voth stuff looks cool, but honestly, I love this game for the space, not the ground combat. To me, it's just a little clunky. Space feels right. But ground feels like I'm playing an old N64 game. All this to say I look forward to Season 8. But unless the ground feel has been worked on, I foresee only playing around with the space part of it. Marques writes in, Hi guys, love the show. Thanks for all the info and laughs. Greets from Holland. Ooh, Holland. That's a new one. So, Captains, if you're tuning in to Priority One Podcast, I'm going to have a map. And when you guys leave feedback... I'm going to put a little pin next to the map, and that'd be awesome to see, you know, where, where our feedback's coming from and, and who the listeners are. That's really awesome. I'd love to do that. We hear from Pax, who says, I like the things I'm hearing, but my big question is, when will the KDF get more love? Well, we would have asked that question, but we ran out of time. KDF is getting 
love, but it's just not getting special love. Colonel Three writes, I believe that it may tie into the Breen-featured episode. You never do learn what the mysterious predecessors really are. Yeah, I, they think that's the consensus, especially with the uh, oopsie of the obelisk hanger pets that are out there. I think that's. Uh, I think we're talking the. Uh, I think we're talking the preservers. I think, I think that's who we're talking about here. Jake Stone writes in, "Lol, it's a Trek game for fans, so there must be a balance between ground and space missions. That's what makes a good Trek game." I have to agree. You know, I. I've said that I'm not much of a ground player, but this new type of territory control actually kind of makes me want to get on the ground and, and play these missions. Tawani's totally right that ground is still quite clunky. It still doesn't satiate that awesome game experience that space combat does. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what sort of gameplay improvements they've done to ground combat. Yeah, I, I think that it's going to attract a more, I'm going to call it, stereotypical... MMO gamer, first-person shooter gamer guy who wants the ground combat experience and may stick around for the space combat and the Star Trek story maybe uh, once he gets in. So I, 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 uh, I, we'll see how this goes. I, I'm, in, I'm intrigued, to say the least, and I'm probably going to actually voluntarily do ground combat for the first time in a long, long time. We hear from the Unknown Admin who writes, Great interview! My thoughts, I would say five plays over 30 days says more about the content than player preference. It appears apparent that it's time to revamp some of those missions. I'm doubtful that simply throwing extra marks in is the answer. Additionally, when players have three, soon to be four separate rep grinds with 20-hour cooldowns, time becomes an issue and therefore seeking the path of least resistance inevitably becomes the next logical step. Here, here, where I'm going to reiterate my call for the whole take the one that people gravitate towards, the Path of Least Resistance mission, and then make that one exclusively the marks for that reputation system. So uh, Infected Space Elite, only Omega Marks. That's all you get. Omega Marks and the Dilithium and the loot that you usually got, but you only get Omega Marks. All the other stuff, or some of the other stuff, or just the Elite versions of the other stuff, or whatever... Make it all choice of marks. That way you can get uh, enough people in those queues to do those missions. You can hang out in zone chat and say, hey, I want to do one of the Nukara battle zone things. I want to go shoot a bunch of Tholians. I might come along if I knew that I could get some uh, some Romulan reputation marks on that. And with the whole tokens to be able to shoot uh, other players up to the top of the reputations with training your uh, alternate characters mechanic that they're going to introduce this needs to happen because i'm going to go on to my alt characters and try to rank them up as quickly as i can with that xp boost i just want to go in there and shoot a bunch of stuff and if i just have to do this the easy one over and over again fine but it might make a more fun game experience if i can pick something else to do and hang out with my friends while i do it and get the rewards that i want Arcanum70 writes, I was kind of taken back by the comment about free-to-play and the triple server. While I'm sure that traffic on Holodeck goes down a bit, the inference that those of us that are on the game as free-to-players don't think that the game means enough to us to financially support it is off-base. One would think that the hosts of this program would be able to choose how they try to make points in a way that does not alienate a sizable chunk of of the players. Well, it's a good criticism, but unfortunately, we've got our forum troll back. This guy named Elijah Jamray. Just, God, just 
he's a grenade thrower, this guy is. He comes back and says, The truth is, the guest presented an argument backed by legitimate statistics. It wasn't conjecture. More importantly, the discussion was not about financial support from free-to-players, but that the players as a whole are less likely to replay missions after beta testing. I guess that was less trolly than his usual trolliness. I'd like to think so. I'd like to think so. <laughs> yes, yes. We we here at Priority One try not to alienate sizable chunks of players. I think that Arcanum was talking about when Al was saying that they don't put so much on Tribble because people won't play it again on Holodeck. That's everybody. Right. What does not having access to Tribble have anything to do with supporting or not supporting the game financially? Okay, the reason people come back and they, they the free-to-players typically will come in when there's new content and then leave and go play some other game once they've played the new content. If they play the new content on the test server where you can't spend money, where you can't be, you don't even have the opportunity to be, to be one of the 10% that chips in with Zen purchases of some kind or another, then if you've played the content on Tribble, you're not going to be on the Holodeck server as much, and therefore you're not going to be spending as much statistically on a lockbox key or a sea store ship or whatever. And that makes 100% perfect sense to me. Yeah, I, like I said, we're not we're not we're not out to denigrate anybody. I mean, it's the free to play crowd that keeps this game going. But the idea is is that Al and the team don't want to set up a situation where the people that want to play are burning through content. Right, they they want to play and they may right. want to support the game if they desire. But if they play it on Tribble, there is not the opportunity to support the game if they desire to. Correct. Yeah, I think that's really where it's going. Well, Captains, a very special thanks to everyone who followed us, not only on Twitter, but also on Facebook. If you're not following us, be sure to catch us on at STO Priority One or Facebook.com forward slash Priority One. Make sure you're checking out our Facebook page now and again throughout the week. Give us a like, and you know that we love hearing from you. Let us know what you think of the show or submit your responses for our community questions in the comment section for this episode on the Star Trek Online forum post. And that will wrap up episode 147, recorded live on trekradio.net. Remember, we're on every Thursday night live on Trek Radio at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. As you know, Captains, we love hearing from you, our loyal listeners from all around the world, and now Holland. If you have a question, a suggestion, idea, or a topic for any of our segments, or you have general feedback about this episode, our email address is incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Don't forget to answer this week's community questions in the comments section for this episode on PriorityOnePodcast.com or in the Star Trek Online Forum post. Stay in touch with us throughout the week by following our social media websites. Head over to facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast and give us a like. Or check us out on Twitter via at Stow Priority One. Priority One is brought to us by the generous donation of listeners like you. Please visit PriorityOnePodcast.com to find out how you can help support this show. And again, a very special thanks to everyone who has contributed and continues to do so. And don't forget to support a friend of Priority One. Check out Splatter Studios' Trek-inspired canvas art by visiting their eBay store. Links, as always, will be in the show notes. And stay tuned next week for our interview with the cryptic designer behind the latest featured episode, Sphere of Influence, Cryptic Kate. Today... We want to start this week's acknowledgments. 
with a very big thanks, a tip of the hat, to the great bird of this galaxy himself, Gene Roddenberry, who passed away 22 years ago on October 25th. It's his vision that we're celebrating each week we get together, and we are eternally grateful to him for that. Thanks to the entire team behind PriorityOnePodcast.com, including our new audio engineer, Skiffy, and editor-in-chief, Kate. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Subspace Radio, Black Star Radio, and, of course, Trek Radio. Special thanks to our sponsor, Sayulita.com. Most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek Online community, and, of course, our listeners. Without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. In on Star Trek Online's website. In, on, about, above, after, among, during. Yes. All the prepositions. All of the prepositions. Try that, try that one more time. Actually, hold on. Here, here. go ahead. Enter, entertain. Entertain. Do, 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 do. I'm entertaining because Elijah's going to type what I'm supposed to say. And the faster he types, the sooner I can stop blabbering into a microphone just so we don't have dead air silence. Hawk says cryptic jumped the shark. Well, technically they jumped a dinosaur with a laser beam on his head. They weren't able to get sharks with laser beams on the head. They were going to go with ill-tempered sea bass. Actually, tempered mutated sea bass. What? Let's do it. Let's do it this way. Let's um, throw it, throw the question to me, and then we'll pose it as a community question. Okay, so we'll just pretend the last two minutes of time didn't happen. No, 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 well, let's get ready to trek it out. All right, captains, discover something that you think the rest of our... I don't like... All right, ca- all right, captains. All right, captains. All right. Arr. Here are some of the awesome things coming. Go ahead and just edit it. Right just here? stop what you're doing. Just stop like, what you're doing like, and backspace all, right, all that out. It's really bad that on the show notes itself that he's got expect and then the more talking and then the word expect also appears in the same know, line know, directly I underneath it. So it's I know, like you I can just know. Listen, look I at did it. this. I did this in class. Okay, <gasps> this was written in during what? my class time. What? Because I'm not learning anything else. How disrespectful to the guy. No, no, no wonder he keeps you after class. He's like, oh, that dude's finishing his show notes right now in the back row with his laptop. <laughs> Keep the guy after. Right. Jerk disrespecting my classroom so i'm just gonna keep talking like this because it's good radio for me to fill time a unique unity matrix which phases or an immunity matrix is that not what i said what did i say you said unity matrix did i say unity damn it you did (laughs) they all want to play together nicely that's right unity matrix come everyone calling me a hippie and you all kumbaya on me
crazy faces. In uh, season eight, in uh, season eight, uh, dev blog. Okay, uh, I'm coming here. It, uh, it's a me, a Mario. Oh my god, I just noticed something. Fleet Carfi and Fleet Arkeef. Carfi in, 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 is an anagram of Arkeef. They just ran out of names. <laughs> the developers <laughs> ran out of names. They're like, oh god, what are we going to call this thing? And they're like, well, it's kind of like this other ship. Like, <laughs> We'll just move the apostrophe and switch the letters around. Done. Book it. <laughs> I'm not going to start that over. I'm just going to keep going because I just that was a, that was an epiphany as I read. Okay. <laughs> no, no, start over. We'll keep that. In the oh, come on. In the blooper. Right. In the blooper. Adrana Shit. Man, am I glad you're not a Romulan. What is it? I have no idea. I'm glad I'm not a Romulan either. <laughs> Ooh, this is a really good idea. So, captains, if you're tuning in to Priority One Podcast, I'm going to have a map. And when you guys leave feedback... I'm going to put a little pin next to the map, and that'd be awesome to see, you know, where, where our feedback's coming from and, and who are the listeners are. That's really awesome. I'd love to do that. Okay, get right on that, Lennon. How far is the reach of Priority One podcast? <laughs> Interstellar. We're not doing that anymore? No. Nobody called. Oh. You guys don't call me. <laughs> don't call Nobody me. calls what? me. Why don't you Nobody call? Calls me. Nobody calls you don't me text? Messages. You don't call? <laughs> you don't email? <laughs> Skiffy left a voicemail. But you don't count. All by myself. Don't want to be all by myself. <laughs> that is depressing. That's so depressing. Building a dilithium holding all by yourself. That is depressed. Aren't you depressed just by hearing about that?